Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Hi. Howdy. Hello. How goes it? Howdy, howdy. There has to be something about like that three hello thing. I love the triple greeting. I'm so into it. It's really powerful. Thank you. RuPaul does it on RuPaul's Drag Race, and I love it. It also reminds me of the Trinity. Mm. Oh, for sure. RuPaul's Trinity. RuPaul's Trinity, (laughs) which we all know would be Jinx Monsoon, Bianca Del Rio, and Trixie Mattel. Anyways, here we are. Here we be. If you want to talk more about drag queens, hit me up. But for now, I want to know, what are you drinking? I am drinking a beer from Montana that I still have left. Actually, I have several left. And I bought these literally like, what month is it? <laughs> I bought these in uh, September. No, November. So I'm I'm making these last, man. Um, So I'm drinking a beer from Meadowlark Brewing. This is a Black Tears Tukis Oat Milk Stout. Very creamy, very caramely delicious and then i'm also drinking a kava tea from oh my gosh not tazo what's the other one yogi yogi tea uh fun fact uh if you drink like real kava not like this like kava blend stuff that's really good but if you drink like real kava extract it'll make your mouth go numb yeah oh okay. is that because it's high in histamine like bananas uh i don't think so do bananas have histamine yeah they're really high yeah. in histamine Really? I'm not officially mm-hmm. allergic to bananas, but I don't eat them because my mouth goes numb when I eat them raw. Whoa. No, I don't think it's a histamine thing. It's uh I don't know, it's something else. I've done it once. It's crazy. It's not like it's not like dentist numb. Oh, okay. Fascinating. Did you know there's a new kava bar here in Billings? Like authentic kava like no. you're talking about? Yeah, dude. It's where the pickle barrel used to be on thirty second. Oh, no way. Yeah. You should go for me. Check it out. I haven't gone yet. I like. I've heard a lot of good things from the community. So huh. I'll go check that out. I today am, uh, I'm just getting going on this wonderful AeroPress of the Ravel Blend coffee. I've truly dialed in my AeroPress game now that my wife got me a gorgeous new uh, conical burr grinder for Christmas. Ooh. And uh, good Lord. It makes a difference. Oh my, yes, it does. And it's so wonderful. This coffee is so good. Chef's kiss. Beautiful. I'm drinking... uh, Folgers coffee because I'm at the church and we have brave a bajillion cans of it. But I have to say, we salute you having having a, it is very brave of me, but it's delicious. And I think it's because I made it with love. Tastes like home. Tastes, Tastes like, like home. Yeah. You know, it's one of those that you just ha- you, you two hand in your mug and you just take little sips and you feel warm and cuddly like now, a teddy bear. Surely you're not drinking it black though right what if i was well then i'm just i'm not i don't think you're brave i'm just scared for you 
why are you scared for me i'm not drinking it black <laughs> i i do have cream and sugar in it but what if i was just steven goodness mm. okay mm. Well, before we kick things off, I know Josh has some news, an announcement for us today. I sure do. Our drinks were bought today by two new patrons for Ravel. So thank you so much for supporting. Uh, This shout out goes to Ellie, um, who I believe is in the US, question mark. And our very first Kiwi from New Zealand supporting us, Miss... It's either Helena or Helena. So forgive me. We haven't gotten a chance to speak about pronunciation in the discord yet but welcome thank you for buying our drinks we are seriously so grateful for your support uh it really means a lot so thank you cheers absolutely Woo-hoo. welcome Yay. welcome welcome see there's there's the three th- th- triple greeting again it feels complete so here we be on this fine recording day and that's my topic i feel like it hasn't been my topic in forever and uh, to be honest, I was a little scared to bring up a topic uh-uh. because I because I haven't had one in forever. But today I pose a simple question and I have no idea where the conversation's going to go. I have no agenda, no plan. It, it's just a question. So here it is. Are you ready? Shoot. Pen and paper ready. What is the meaning of life? <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for this. <laughs> I'm so here for this. I'm so glad I grabbed a beer. <laughs> I'm regretting not grabbing a beer. <laughs> what is the meaning of life? Um, yeah. I think, very simply, the meaning of life is whatever we make it to be. Okay, end of episode. Bye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. feel very existentialist about the question these days. Mm. Um, I think yeah. that whether someone is religious or spiritual still, I, I do think it's a little bit of like what you... Like you will get out of life what you put into it. Uh, I think there's a little bit of that in there, but also life is cruel. And I think that like whatever happens to us in life, I think that the meaning that we give things is the meaning that we have. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think that's why for a lot of people, it makes a lot of sense to remain religious and spiritual because I think that those systems like give a lot of preconceived meaning to things or like provide the heuristic and framework to interpret anything that happens to us but i believe truly either way like whether you are spiritual and religious or not i think that like the psychological mechanism is us giving meaning to things okay see and that was gonna be my next question was do we give things meaning or is the meaning already there and we just uncover it Ooh. well i want to hear do either of you have an answer to that first broad question I brought up the questions. I want to hear from Stephen first. Well, as long as we're just throwing around tweetables for the answer um, to the meaning of life. Uh, I was brought up on to glorify God and enjoy him forever um, in the oh, catechism. Oh, yeah, the, class, the Westminster, right? Yep, yep, yep. Talked yep, about that yep. a couple episodes ago. That's right. Yeah. And while I appreciate what you're doing on the psychological end, my personal opinion is that I think it's entirely possible that meaning is out there to be uncovered and not just fabricated. Mm, okay. <laughs> we have people on both sides of it. I like it. So where do you sit, Emily? You're going to hate me, but I'm right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I am dipping my toes on both sides because I think if we are to uncover meaning, we have to identify meaning in itself and so for me i think it's a delicate balance of things have meaning whether or not we give it 
But there are things in life that we give meaning to, whether it's because of impact or experience or uh, lasting marks, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm. I, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a beautiful and. And that's nice. kind of a wishy-washy answer. But maybe life is wishy-washy. Is that no, the meaning? I, I, I don't know. I see what you're saying because I think that the word meaning also gets very... Uh, I think it gets overused and I think that it like usually has such a vague definition sometimes. I'm not saying you're doing that, but like I think that some people take it to mean purpose. Like mm-hmm. what should you do? Uh, either morally or just like me as a person. And I think some people take it to mean, I guess, function for lack of a better word. Like sure. in almost a like post hoc kind of way. Like that thing that happened, what did it functionally do for me or like mm-hmm. in the world or... And then I think a lot of people go like cosmological, like in the way that like Stephen was brought up and maybe still believes too. Like there's like a greater, uh, I almost just use the word meaning. <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. I can't circular reason that one. Um, there's like a greater other uh, words for it are calling or commission or, or even like conspiracy or network almost like sure. you're like, it's a part of a greater thing somehow sure. or simply an aim. Sure. Somewhere hmm. to go. A destination. A trajectory. In mind. Yeah, yeah. A trajectory. Traveling to something. I think this is so fun. I love this question, Emily, because since the beginning of our podcast, the final line of our intro has always been seeking meaning at the end of it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing a lot of raveling. And I think without tackling this question head on, we very often come to a place of, okay, but. Like, what does that mean, though? And right, or what does it matter? Or what does it matter? And I love that it's a consistent through line since episode one that life giving has been our heuristic. You're welcome. The meaning of life is to give life and to enjoy it. And in that way, I'm kind of like taking that in uh, less of a like a classical Calvinist Presbyterian sense of the catechism to say mm-hmm. love or glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I'm taking it more as like a panentheistic, like everything of life is given by God. And I have come to uh, value living my life according to the idea that you will always have what you give to love. Like mm-hmm. that is the deepest lasting treasure is what is what love you give away and i think that is actually pretty in line with a lot of things jesus says like he like when he speaks of like storing up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy i think that comes down to a lot of these to i guess to josh's point like it comes down to a lot of these like psychological values of belonging and love and safety security support encouragement Mm-hmm. Understanding all these life-giving things, where we like we see another person as an image of the divine themselves, animated by right, like roars universal Christ in all, through all, sustaining all. Yeah, I like the idea of things, people, matter, you name it, already having meaning and not us bestowing or attributing meaning all the time because it's not all about us. I <laughs> like we can live life to the fullest. We can 
make meaning out of things, but it still had meaning even if we like if I specifically did not give something meaning. It would mean something else to someone else and it may not be the same but like everything already has meaning Mm. it's it's i i am seeing this question more lately than ever as taking a step back from myself and not having this focal point of well i give it meaning it it matters to me because like that matters but it's not all about me Mm. and i think a lot of that has to do with raising a child like i'm raising a child but thea is who thea is because of dna and her surroundings and there are so many genetic markers and makeup that i gave her but like i didn't necessarily actively create it as she was walking or crying or talking or eating or pooping or whatever the case may be like thea makes her own meaning in life and she is tackling the world not because i deem it so but because it just is and like the things that matter to her may not be the same as me but like there's meaning for her and that's okay when she hands me an empty tissue box and she's so happy like that matters to her and it doesn't matter to me but i'm not going to negate the meaning that that empty tissue box has on my child's life (laughs) This is garbage, you idiot baby. Right, exactly. Like, oh, how stupid of you. This is just an empty tissue box. Like, go to your room and think about what you did. No, like, (laughs) meaning exists because meaning exists. And it's Mm. not always about us. (laughs) That being said, I do think it is possible to uh, be very intentional about putting meaning into rather ordinary things. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things as in like possessions is this uh orange gel pen that i i journal with every morning and uh i got it as a gift one christmas a while ago dixie and i had gone to visit my parents when they lived out in washington in josh's area and we were out there and i had shipped like a new ipad and ipad pencil to their house as a surprise like i didn't want to pack it and have dixie see it but that was my gift for her for Christmas. So she could do a lot of her digital art and stuff. Um, so I'd shipped it there as a surprise and, uh, I had her open the Apple pencil first, like out of the stocking, which immediately betrayed what the box was under the tree. Right. And Dixie had this very tearful, we had this wonderful moment cause she, she had been dreaming about doing like digital art for a while, having gotten really into like painting and sketching and all that, um, in more physical mediums. But, uh, So we have this really nice moment. I give this gift and Dixie was like, but we said we weren't going to do Christmas here because we didn't want to like travel with the gifts or whatever. I was like, I know it, but I wanted to do this. This was a surprise and I thought this would be really delightful. And my wonderful mother looking for like, I've, I've always taken it as like, she didn't want me to feel left out, even though it was myself who did the leaving out of me (laughs) for this moment. She was like, uh, I didn't have anything to give you because again, we didn't say, we said we were going to do gifts. So I put this pen in your stocking and I pulled it out and it's like just this orange, uh, like pilot G2 gel pen Aww. and it's a pen, right? Like I, I could buy a hundred of those for like 20 bucks right now. 
but I've used this pen every day since to journal. I always refill it with black ink. I don't use the orange anymore, but I refill it with black ink. It's always what I travel with. Uh, when I travel with my journals, it is what like accompanies me. Like when I reflect on scripture, when I pray, when I journal through my day, when I kind of go through those prompts and, uh, it's a pen, right? But it, it's such a meaningful item to me. It's such a meaningful mm-hmm. gift to me. And I guess to your point, it's like the tissue box, right? Like Thea hands you a tissue box. You're like, sorry, what? And I'm like, Dixie, don't lose that pen, please. Like, please don't use that one. That is like a treasure to me. But, and she right. looks at me like, it's a pen though, Steven. It's fine. You know what I mean? But it's not. It's more than that. Yeah. So I, it's, I think I can certainly recognize that there is some degree of like, meaning we assign ourselves uh whether that be via sentimentality or nostalgia or something like that Mm -hmm. did you know that there is um a word or a a framework in sociology for what you're talking about oh no educate me please so it's this branch it's not really a branch it's kind of hard to describe but there's a school of thought in sociology called symbolic interactionism which would posit that the world is ultimately made up of symbols that we interact with and give and extract meaning from and to. So like the Kleenex box is a great example. The pen is a great example, but uh, sociology is also about like the mass scale, right? So it would include things like just different features throughout our society and our cultures that like some people would recognize as having great meaning and then other people would not. So Mm -hmm. uh, religion is actually a great example of this. Like, Mecca, uh, Muslims revere and have so much reverence for as a site and a place and a happening and a history. And someone from the West just has no freaking idea. Like they'll recognize it as great architecture and they can recognize that other people revere it, but they will not experience that kind of interaction that a Muslim would, even though you're mm-hmm. looking at the same object mm-hmm. that other people are revering. Um, state examples, government, monuments, that's a great example. Uh, I also think it's flags, uh, probably. Yeah, flags are a great example too. But I also think it is very applicable to like the mundaneness of life. Like I think that your pen example and the Kleenex box too. I think that brings up an interesting example with like something that's seemingly so mundane to most people can feel so sacred to other people. Mm -hmm. And like it's it's not like there's not an institution that's built around it. There's not like a yeah. I don't worship the pen through a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Structure, you know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But there's there's such a like personal history among a smaller social sphere that you do see that symbol as having meaning. So right. even if like the the objects are symbols, this this type of sociology would see them as primarily symbolic, mm. yeah. which I think is interesting. I think with a lot of that, it's interesting. I guess the way I've been coming at this is I still choose to act and. Uh, behave in the world and pray as if there is like a personal God out there with which Mm. I can commune. And I guess the way I'm elevating this from like the specific to like the cosmic is the pen has assigned meaning because I, a second party assigned it meaning. Emily can then as a third party observer, discover that meaning by speaking with me about it Mm, right mm -hmm. and on the cosmic scale the way i'm viewing it right now is everything has meaning because it's been assigned meaning by its creator and sustainer 
And now we get to uncover that meaning by communing with the assigner of that meaning. Mm. And that is where things can get tricky because everyone believes the meaning that they discover is the correct meaning. And everyone else's understanding of that meaning is either false or incomplete. Great point. Great point. I think for me, it also is an interesting tangential discussion to like this, what I think is a false dichotomy between the sacred and the profane, which I think that panentheism has a really interesting like solve to, as in like, it's all sacred and profane, <laughs> like, because it's all <laughs> a part of God. <laughs> and I, I think it's really interesting because like, while I, I do think and believe that we inherently give meaning to things, I think that people is kind of a different situation. I think that we can, I think it's very reasonable to think that people and living beings are inherently valuable and have inherent Man, I just keep wanting to use the word meaning. I hate how like <laughs> I hate how like uh ubiquitous that is. I was expecting the phrase inalienable rights just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But if we're like just talking about uh like things and like the experience of life, uh I I think that it's very reasonable to think that some beings, like beings in general, can have inherent worth and value. But then when we're talking about things, whether they're man-made or geological or cosmological, I think that it's very reasonable to also think that we create meaning in those, in terms of like symbolism or sacredness or reverence. I think it's possible to hold those two in tension. Because like, for instance, if I think about the universe. We man, we were talking about this on a couple episodes ago about the James Webb telescope and how like Stephen feels so enthralled by that. And I'm like, well, it's cool, but like <laughs> So what? I don't know, it's just space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't it doesn't feel like that has a ton of meaning for me. What when even though I can recognize that it's a scientifically huge step in progress to like be able to observe in new and different ways, I, I just don't like even though I can like recognize that that is valuable, it like doesn't have much meaning to me personally. And I think that that mm -hmm. is very common on like the mass scale, like whether we're talking about science or even religion too. I think it's very common for people to be like, well, what does that matter? Like, why should I care mm -hmm. about that? Mm -hmm. And I think that the care aspect is really interesting. What do you guys think about that? I think it's so important because if something didn't have meaning to you, then like ergo you wouldn't care like so for example the tissue box like it has no meaning to me so i'm not going to care if like i accidentally step on it and thea's not around to see it and i don't break her little heart but if i care about my child's feelings and the fact that she loves this tissue box and i were to accidentally step on it like i'm going to care that this object she had great reverence for I have now ruined. And I think that applies to people. If we we need, it's not a question of if we should, it's no, we need to care about people and loving our neighbor because they matter. They have meaning and we don't need to add meaning to them in order to say, well, I'm going to care about you. Like if something happens across the globe and I'm not there, should I care? Yes. Because like people are involved. Like 
people are dying or people are getting sick or there's corruption happening. We should always care because we would want people to care if it was happening to us. It comes back to that selfish view, unfortunately, but like caring matters. Caring always has mattered and it should continue to matter. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. I would love to interrogate what you think meaning means. Like, off the top of my head, I can see meaning being interpreted as value, purpose, function, anything else. I was going to say worth. But oh, I feel like that's value. But yeah. Because mm-hmm. like, I think life has inherent value. Yeah. And as, if we're going to talk about like purpose, I think that there's like there can be many purposes and callings in mm-hmm. life. And I think that sometimes those right pathways are very obvious and well-defined. And other times it's kind of a gray area. Oh, definitely. I had a question that just popped into my head. Oh, go for it. Your answers can be as lengthy and as descriptive as you want, but I'm curious to know from all of us, what has the most meaning to you? Like in your life, these can be things, people, memories, like if you were to pick like five, right? And this isn't necessarily a ranking of like, this is the, this thing or person has the most meaning in my life, but just what are like your top meaningful people, things, ideas, That give whatever. us the most, like, sense of meaning? Exactly, yeah. Sorry to, like, get caught up in the definition, but I feel like my answer would be different if the question is, like, what do I, like, give the most meaning to versus, like, what do I derive the most meaning and, like, sense of worth from? How about we do both questions, then? We'll do both questions. Okay. So we'll start with what do you give or attribute the most meaning to people, things, whatever you have? Hmm. Whoa. You go first. Mm. (laughs) I feel like I give the most meaning. Oh, see, I feel like my answers would slightly be the same, but Mm. I'll go with it anyways. Like my family, because... Both my family, as in my parents and my sister, because they have instilled a lot of meaning and values in me. And so it's this nice reciprocal relationship. 
But also my family, the family that I have created, because there's something about having people coming together, whether it be marriage, dating, friendship, adoption, you name it. But having people coming together and remaining as individuals, but creating something new and whole while still remaining as individuals. And I think family has done that for me. And it's uh, something in their people that I deeply cherish. It's almost like the things that have the most meaning or the things that we attribute the most meaning to are oftentimes the things that we have a hard time explaining. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's because it's we are trying to relay our own meaning about something to someone else. It's like an artist explaining what the painting or the drawing is supposed to be and like what the symbolism is behind it. And people are like, I don't get it. (laughs) And you're like, but it's Mm -hmm. right there. It's like, it's so obvious. Oh, I don't get it. So I would say family for sure. I am thinking of this question. At first it was a very daunting question. So I chose to reframe it. Emily. Go right ahead. Into essentially the classic. What five things would you save? from your house as it caught fire, you know, like I think that is an interesting test of like both in a possession sense, but also like the living, breathing things that are in there. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think family, of course, I also immediately thought of that Dixie and I each have our first like childhood stuffed animals mm. on the dresser of the nursery we built um, when we thought we were going to uh, adopt someone in uh, 2022 and we put our stuffed animals up there and I immediately thought of like, I would want to rescue those for a sense of uh, almost like preserving a physical representation of our own childhoods. But even then I feel like I immediately want to rationalize as like, yeah, but the memories aren't in there and like everything can be replaced beyond the lives that we can save. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm having trouble narrowing it down too. I think partly because I'm just like getting hung up on the semantics of it all. Can you remind me what your original question was? Was it like what like what five things do you get the most meaning from? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. It's interesting. Stephen went the route of things, and I think that's totally valid. And I think that's an interesting question. I'm gonna go broader with this, and I'm actually gonna name five as well. Unlike our friend okay. Emily over here, who just defaulted to family <laughs> as her five. <laughs> which which is father, mother, sister, husband, daughter. That's five. So I had six. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. So I think I'm going to go... I think I get the most meaning from relationships, which is a bit of a cop-out because uh, I'm human and I think that is true of everyone, mm-hmm. regardless Fart. of like relationship status hey, or like... No ridicule. Family ties. He ridiculed me for my <laughs> Um, so i'm gonna say relationships and then i'm also gonna say i think i get a lot of like personal meaning from deep thoughtful conversation Mm -hmm. especially conversations like this um i think that this is like a huge motivator for me to continue podcasting with y'all and like very similar projects and like i feel like i'm just always thirsting for more good conversation um there was this really interesting clip actually no i was reading the tweets um but i saw the clips as well um josh 
from Good Mythical Mornings Kitchen. I think it's called Mythical Kitchen. Um, he recently had Tom Hanks on. I guess they're doing like a series where they're like cooking and eating with people. And he was tweeting about the experience of eating with Tom Hanks and just reflecting on how like when it comes down to it, like we all enjoy shooting the shit and like talking about life and what we're up to, like regardless of like who we are as a person or fame or importance, whatever, like we all enjoy that. And I think it's very underrated. And I think that a lot of people like don't embrace that fully. And I love embracing that. Like, <laughs> like whether it's uh, just like fun, jovial kind of conversation or like more like really serious philosophy about life, theology. I think it's great. Like, I think the more we like really embrace that kind of conversation, the better for us and for the world. I think it's wonderful. So I'm going to say relationships, good, deep conversation. Um, I think I get a lot of meaning out of the thinking of and the practice of generosity and mutual aid and just like continuing to think about that. I, I find it very compelling. So I'm going to put that down as meaningful. What else? What else? I think that the idea and the practice of really good work is also really compelling, whether that means more creative aspects or it's like life's work kind of stuff. I think that's really interesting and very, very meaningful. I guess I'm kind of going with like meaning here being like compelling. That's interesting. I didn't really think about that until I started talking out loud. Um, For a fifth one, man, what do I get the most meaning from? I agree with you, Emily, that it's like hard to put things like this into words. Right? Like it it can feel very mysterious. Like on one hand, you're like, well, of course I get meaning out of the things in my life. Of course. Why else would they be in my life? Uh, like to Stephen's point, I think he's talked about it before, but to Stephen's example of like being minimalist, but also like really appreciating and loving the things in your life. Like mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Like I think that takes like a very decent amount of cognitive energy and attention and intention um, that I think that's something that you have to consciously choose to do. Like it's easy to go through life not thinking about things. And even when you do think about the things, I think it's very hard to put words to. Like we all know what we all we all know how important it is when someone says, Oh, this means a lot to me. And it's just kind of a blanket statement. Mm-hmm. But like we get it. We know what they're trying to say. Yeah. It's an interesting attitude to hold. Uh, I've I've realized over the years of like intentionally practicing minimalism as I first uh, learned it from the the titular minimalists that started here in Missoula. Like there is a degree. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. They started in Missoula, Montana before they went out to L.A. Fun fact. Along with Hank Green, apparently, who still lives in Missoula, which is strange. <laughs> anyway. Um, Minimalism is a really interesting attitude to have. And I've found over the years, my relationship changing to it and changing with it because there is a degree of like, I want the things in my life to be here intentionally because I want to create room for a lot of like intangible things that I could be distracted from by materials and objects that could like steal that attention away from me. But also like even in my example, trying to like think of an answer to this question, Emily, it's like the minimalism I practice maybe is so extreme to the degree of like everything's here intentionally. And also I don't feel like I have to like grip them with white knuckles either. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very interesting place to be of like everything is here 
for a reason and a purpose for me. And like, I've, I've given everything in this room, in this house permission to be here because once a year, Dixie and I go through each room and be like, oh yeah, that could go. I don't feel attachment to that. You know, like, right. That's a one, once a year practice for us. Like everything has permission to stay here if it stays here. And at the same time, yeah, the things I save, if the whole thing was burning down around me are the things that breathe and that I have to feed and clean up after. And maybe if I have time, a stuffed animal that at this point could not be replaced. But even then it's like, even if those get left behind, if I have someone uh, whom I love to hold safe away from danger, but we can figure it out from there. (laughs) I'm okay. Going along those lines, I'm going to tie it together. I've realized my fifth one. I think I give a lot of meaning to the relationship between the temporary and the permanent. Mm. And like the like how those are often in tandem and in tension with each other. Like I think life, it's really easy to like give life and beings, especially humans, a lot more meaning than permanent things but like the reality is is like life is temporary yeah and i feel very compelled by that idea like we are temporarily existing and the things that are in our lives um have a very much higher chance of being permanent which is really interesting sure and i think that like those other things that i mentioned also tying in like relationships um exploring generosity and conversations and life's work i think for me i think what feels really compelling about all of those together as well is like the the chance of not just a personal legacy but also like the the compounding legacy in the world Hmm. i think that's really really meaningful that's a really interesting i like what you're doing there especially in the sense of um like things can feel permanent whereas like knowing we die means that we're inherently temporary i think maybe what it is for me is I, i think the most meaning gets applied to the living because we are dynamic, whereas objects mm. are static. So like the dynamic relationships we have with the people in our lives, you know, me and Dixie, for instance, we are definitively not the people we were when we met 13 years ago. Mm. And in that sense, like our relationship over time, neither of us are dancers, but I want to use an analogy of dancing is like when we first met, we, we danced as if we were like at a high school prom and over the years, like, you know, there was a period of life that you might describe as like, we learned some, the basics of like salsa dancing and now it's a tango and now it's ballroom and now it's a waltz. You know, it's like, there's a a dynamic nature to everything that we get to like play with and dance with, with the people bring us and give us meaning because it it's like constantly something new to discover Mm, you know i like that along those lines i have a question for us which maybe this will be our last bit to wrap up with i would love to hear from both of you about something that you no longer give meaning to or like you don't like derive as much meaning from as you once used to oh wow Feel free to go as broad or as specific as you want. <laughs> hmm. How will you go first, Josh? Great. I'll go first. Um, I think <laughs> I a really easy example that's very relevant to this discussion. I think that I do not give... Ooh, man, how do I want to say this? I think that I don't give nearly as much meaning 
in the same ways at least to the way that I used to give to theology and the Bible. I think that I used to mm. look to theology and the Bible for absolute certainty, for answers for life, to answer what is the purpose of life. And while I think that there's just so much like value and richness that's there, like for instance, we, we didn't mention it, but like I think any Christian should say the purpose of life is to love your neighbor as yourself. Boom. And and by that you're loving God. Like if you're giving any other answer than that, like I really doubt your I, I really doubt what you mean when you say you're a Christian. You know what I mean? Um so mm. I, I mm. while I do think that there is like tons of value and meaning there, I think that I don't look at it the same way for meaning as I used to. Like I, I don't feel like I am I'm I'm not looking to the the Bible and theology for answers about what I am to do in my everyday life is sure. Well, I'm, but even saying that that's hard because like, I do think there is such value for everyday life circumstances, but like, it's hard to explain. Like it's not in the same way that I used to, you know what I mean? It's changed. Like meaning has changed. And that absolutely, that is what we need to acknowledge. Right. right. I was going to say like along those lines for me, it would be past relationships, like mm. people who have caused harm to me. I no longer have the same l- amount of respect, but I, I still care for them because they are people and they were people who were a part of my life and I can't change that and I can't negate the meaning that they once had in my life, but that meaning has certainly changed now that mm. they are no longer a part deeply or intimately a part of my life. Um, but it's not that the meaning has completely dissipated or gone away it's just the meaning has now shifted Mm. i think that's a gracious way to look at it too because Mm -hmm. i think that like with either of our examples i think it's really easy for a lot of people to say like well just because like i don't think that way anymore that must mean that there's no meaning there at all for me or for anyone and i think that that's a very this is going to feel like a cop-out but i feel like that's not very life-giving like it's not Mm -hmm. very it doesn't feel genuine to just like act like it never had meaning to you and that it can't have meaning to other people now right yeah right that's the tricky place i am right now with my relationship to my old church of like ooh, Mm. i've been discovering a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger still uh within me toward the way um we were treated as we kind of like were questioning things i stepped down from worship leading we weren't even intending to leave the church. I was just saying like, Hey, I've been having a lot of thoughts and I, it feels incongruous for me to be a worship leader right now. And that just kind of started the process. I think uh, part of that gave Dixie, not that she needed it, but it gave her a felt sense of permission to come out as queer and bisexual at the same time or around the same time. And the way we were treated following that, like I, I have a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I have friends who have also departed the same church, the, the same campus of the same church, even of this multi-site like mega church we used to go to. And they have a lot of anger and they're kind of like preaching now almost like a fire and brimstone against that place. And I feel so complicated about that because it's like, yeah, but the way you're talking about it now is trying to bury everything all the meaning you got out of it. Like we, you know, like I used to lead a a small group with a couple that are now like very vocally angry with that church. And for me, it's like, yeah, but we can't deny that we were there and we were loving it. 
you know that's a really hard place to be it is like when you deal with that josh i love your question and i'm gonna i'm gonna flip it on its head though uh because you frame the question as like what's something that you don't give as much meaning or like as you once did yeah uh i immediately thought the bible as well but i thought the bible as long as i'm interpreting your question as i don't give the bible as much meaning as i used to because now in fact i feel like i give the bible more meaning than i used to Ooh. um and i really love this framing of the dynamic in the static because i think it's easy to look at a book and say that is a static thing the paper is printed in some metaphorical sense like it is carved into stone or in the case of the ten commandments perhaps literally but like that is the object that is a static thing now i can carry the same bible for a decade and it won't change beneath my fingers but what does change is me and I think in that way, the Bible still continues to be a dynamic relationship in my life in that it is a consistent place for me to find a mirror that reveals things about the dynamicness of myself in regards to it. Because like, again, I opened the episode saying like I was raised on the meaning of life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that is something that teachers told me comes out of theologies born of the Bible. And I, I now have different theologies, but I still think that they are born of the Bible and I find new meaning mm. in those and less meaning in those theologies. But to me, it still seems like the Bible is a, a genesis of all of that meaning that I've learned through it. But I think that's because of my own dynamic changing throughout my life and it gets to be a mirror to me rather than a static, like you were saying, rather than the static this is the word of God, a hundred percent correct, like inerrant in areas of, of teaching and edification and all those things. I like that. I like that a lot. So do we, are there like any closing remarks or any ahas that maybe have stirred within you that you want to share before we tap out for the day? I think meaning making is a journey. And I think that mm. we should expect it's to like climb. <laughs> I think that just because meaning changes, I, I think we should just expect that. Like your like relationships change and your relationships to things change. And I think if we have a healthy understanding of like that happens and that's a part of life, I think that that can make our meaning in life much more enjoyable and meaningful. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stephen? I think your question, I think this episode was perfectly timed, that being 125 episodes later, because I don't, I don't know if we'd be able to have <laughs> the quality of discussion that we just had if we were just starting out trying to like build for ourselves a foundation. Like I actually enjoy the fact that this conversation came so much later from our beginnings of the podcast, and if we're honest, the relationship between you two, because you really met because of the podcast, right? So <laughs> That's very valid. Yeah. So True that. I like where we are and I think this conversation really has enforced for me kind of my pithy take of the meaning we have, call it the treasure stored up in heaven or not, uh, the meaning we have is really that we will always have what we give away in love. 
Ooh, I like that line. Where's the Kleenex? I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a song, actually, that gave me that phrase. It was from an old, uh, not an old, but a singer-songwriter uh, whose CD was on my dad's shelf when I was growing up. Uh, his name is David Wilcox. The song is name is called Deeper Still. And uh, good Lord, that song is it's lovely. Well, thank you. That, that was so touching. I guess for me, and this would probably be my benediction too, is to know that meaning always has, is, and will exist. And the fact that we are called to be a part of each other's lives and to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to me, that's the meaning of life. And Josh nailed it right on the head. Love your neighbor. That has so much meaning. It goes and transcends beyond time and understanding and puts others before self. And sometimes the meaning comes from the ways of loving people in unexpected ways and meaning that changes can have more of an impact than the meaning we wish to bestow. So keep discovering and keep questioning keep longing for relationship and diving into deep conversation because if it matters to you then it matters to us 